You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. HDL Cholesterol, the new frontier. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert S. Rosenson. Dr. Rosenson is the professor of medicine and the director of lipoprotein disorders and clinical atherosclerosis research in the cardiovascular diseases division of the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. Dr. Rosenson, welcome to our program today. Thank you, Dr. Sorrentino. We're going to talk about HDL cholesterol, and I thought first we would talk about the importance of HDL. Can you describe some of the research that has led to causing or letting us think of HDL as a major cardiovascular risk factor? Yes. HDL cholesterol has been identified as a cardioprotective lipoprotein based on several lines of evidence, population-based studies, experimental studies, and clinical trial data. In population-based studies, individuals who have low levels of HDL cholesterol have increased risk of coronary heart disease even after adjusting for major cardiac risk factors. Individuals with high levels of HDL cholesterol have a lower rate of coronary heart disease after adjusting for major cardiovascular risk factors. HDL cholesterol has been identified as cardioprotective when it's high and uh, cardiotoxic when it's low. We also know from experimental studies that HDL cholesterol scavenges cholesterol out of the inflammatory cells in our blood vessels, takes the cholesterol out of the tissue macrophages, and removes that cholesterol, takes it back to the liver, where it's eventually excreted into the bile and into the stool. That is known as a reverse cholesterol transport pathway. But we also know that HDL cholesterol does other things that are quite important with regards to reducing the hazards of atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries. What are those factors? We know that HDL cholesterol protects LDL cholesterol, the bad lipoprotein, from chemical modification, oxidation, and therefore prevents the LDL particle from becoming even more hazardous to the vessel wall and preventing it from getting into the blood vessel. We also know that HDL cholesterol has got proteins on the surface that not only protect LDL against oxidation because they are antioxidant proteins, but we also know that some of these proteins, like apolipoprotein A1, the major protein on HDL, prevents blood clots. It actually stabilizes prostacyclin, which is an anti-clotting factor that is secreted by the blood cells. Last, in clinical trials that have used very powerful cholesterol-lowering agents, the statins, we know that individuals who have low levels of HDL cholesterol at baseline have higher rates of coronary heart disease. And when that HDL cholesterol goes up on a statin, that population has a lower risk for heart disease than is explained by the LDL cholesterol lowering. So it's changes not only in LDL cholesterol, but changes in HDL cholesterol that identify people who derive the greatest benefit from statin therapy. Now, you mentioned when these studies were done, HDL cholesterol was looked at and the other risk factors were adjusted, indicating that HDL is an independent factor for risk. How does HDL compare with the other factors? In other words, is it more important than LDL, less important than LDL, when you put it together in a whole risk profile for a patient? Several epidemiological studies, population-based studies such as Framingham, the ProCam study, and others have shown that HDL cholesterol is a more powerful predictor of risk than is LDL cholesterol. So for every one milligram per deciliter change in HDL cholesterol, 
the risk is reduced by 3%. In contrast, for every 1 milligram per deciliter increase in LDL cholesterol, the risk is increased by 2%. So if HDL appears to be an even more important risk factor than LDL, how come our guidelines focus more on LDL and not on HDL as a target? In order to be a target of therapy, one has to have randomized clinical trials where that biomarker is changed and that change in the biomarker is associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular events. So right now, we only have subgroup analysis of agents that do many things, such as the statins. They lower LDL cholesterol, they can lower triglycerides and raise HDL cholesterol. So it's in these post hoc or after the fact analyses where HDL cholesterol turns out to be a very important predictor of the buildup of plaque in the coronary arteries and cardiovascular events. Our therapies for raising HDL cholesterol without affecting the other lipoproteins are limited at this time. So the HDL hypothesis has not been firmly tested. Are there different ideal levels of HDL in men and in women? Yes, we know that HDL cholesterol levels are about 10 milligram per deciliter higher in women than they are in men. The Framingham Risk Multiplier is a very useful tool for people to remember. In the Framingham study, the median or average HDL cholesterol is 45 milligram per deciliter for men and 55 milligram per deciliter for women. For every 5 milligram per deciliter decrement below that median value, the risk of a heart attack or death from heart disease increases by 25%. So if you're a man and your HDL cholesterol is 35 milligram per deciliter, your risk is, is increased by 50%. If you're a woman and your HDL cholesterol is 45 milligram per deciliter, your risk is increased by 50%. You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, and my guest today is Dr. Robert Rosenson, and we have been talking about HDL cholesterol. Well, if HDL cholesterol is an important risk factor, how can we raise HDL and thereby hopefully reduce our risk? Let's talk first about what lifestyle modifications can we do to try to raise HDL cholesterol. Individuals who have low levels of HDL cholesterol often have high triglycerides. So those therapies that lower triglycerides may raise HDL cholesterol. I like to describe it as a teeter-totter or a seesaw. When the triglycerides are high, the HDL cholesterol is low. When you lower the triglycerides, the HDL cholesterol goes up. So therapies that lower triglycerides often raise HDL cholesterol. And those therapies include weight loss, physical activity, reduction in refined carbohydrates, and increase in uh, monounsaturated fats. So if we look at the percentage change in HDL cholesterol that one can achieve with those different therapies, weight reduction can lower triglycerides and raise HDL cholesterol by 5 to 20%. Physical activity, such as rapid walking, three hours per day can raise HDL cholesterol by 5 to 30%. Mediterranean diet compared to a low-fat, low-cholesterol diet can raise HDL cholesterol by about 2%. What else raises HDL cholesterol? Smoking cessation. Smoking cessation can increase HDL cholesterol by 5%, and moderate alcohol consumption can raise HDL cholesterol by 8%. You mentioned alcohol consumption, and I know there's been a number of studies looking at alcohol and cardiovascular risk, and it appears from these studies that alcohol may actually slightly lower cardiovascular risk. Do you think that's because of its HDL-raising ability? The studies on alcohol consumption and reduced cardiovascular risk may be related to the increase in HDL cholesterol. It may be that alcohol prevents the platelets, the blood clotting components, from aggregating. It can also be that alcohol reduces fibrinogen levels, 
which is a major clotting uh, protein. If you have a patient with a low HDL, would you recommend that they have a small amount of alcohol with their evening meal? For individuals with uh, low levels of HDL cholesterol, I think that moderate alcohol consumption is reasonable. You know, one to two drinks per day can raise HDL cholesterol without causing some of the hazards that have been associated with alcohol intake, such as elevating triglycerides, and increasing blood pressure. Let's talk a little bit about medications. You mentioned statins already as being very effective in reducing cardiovascular risk in a number of studies. How much do statins raise HDL, and do you think this increase in HDL due to the statins is part of its beneficial mechanism? Yes, statins can raise HDL cholesterol by about 5 to 15%. In a recent analysis of coronary atherosclerosis, as imaged by intravascular ultrasonography, Changes in HDL cholesterol were an important predictor of the benefits of statins on the vessel wall. In other words, those individuals who had an increase in HDL cholesterol had less progression of their disease, even after adjusting for major risk factors and other lipids, including LDL cholesterol. So yes, I think that the increase in HDL cholesterol with statins is important. Now, if you have a patient who is well-treated on a statin, your LDL is clearly at the goal that you wanted to achieve, but the HDL is still quite low, what are your options then in treating that patient? If the LDL cholesterol is optimal and the HDL cholesterol is low, I then look at the triglyceride level. If the triglyceride level is greater than or equal to 150 milligram per deciliter and that HDL cholesterol is low, one has got options. One can use a fibrate such as phenofibrate, or one can use nicotinic acid. If the triglycerides are less than 150 milligram per deciliter and the HDL cholesterol is low, nicotinic acid is your most effective agent for raising HDL cholesterol. If you're going to use nicotinic acid, what type of doses are you trying to achieve to get a significant raise in HDL? Nicotinic acid is a B vitamin that can be purchased over-the-counter in a crystalline form, or it can be prescribed in an extended-release formulation. In the over-the-counter formulation, one can use higher dosages than the extended-release formulation. But in terms of dosages of the extended-release formulation, which is actually better tolerated than the crystalline or short-acting niacin, we want to titrate the niacin to a minimum of 1,000 milligram per day. At that level, we can see about a 30% increase in HDL cholesterol. At higher dosages, such as 2 grams or 2,000 milligrams of nicotinic acid, an HDL cholesterol increase of about 37% can be seen. Have there been studies of combination therapy showing that this increase in HDL clearly has further impact on reducing cardiovascular risk? Well, the studies with niacin and niacin-related increases in HDL cholesterol and cardiovascular risk are limited to a combination study, statin-niacin, the HATS trial, compared to placebo. So we didn't have patients treated with a statin and then randomized to a niacin placebo and compared to a statin versus active niacin. But the study of combination therapy was significant in that there was a 90% reduction in cardiovascular events in the HATS trial. One study that did show benefit of adding niacin to a statin is the Arbiter 2 trial, a study that evaluated thickening in the carotid artery. And that did show that niacin added benefit to the statin in slowing the progression of disease. But the study was a short-term study and not conducted for a long enough period of time in sufficient number of people to evaluate cardiovascular events. That is, whether adding niacin can prevent heart attack, stroke, death from heart disease, and the need for revascularization procedures. But there is a study that's ongoing that is testing that hypothesis in several thousand individuals. That's the AIM-HIGH trial. 
This is a study of individuals who have what we call the atherogenic dyslipidemia, high triglyceride, low HDL cholesterol, often with a small dense LDL particle in coronary heart disease. They will be randomized to a statin or statin plus niacin. And that study is powered to look at cardiovascular events. So we're going to have to wait a few more years to know for certain whether HDL-raising strategies on the background of statin provide additional benefit with regards to clinical events. I want to thank Dr. Robert Rosenson, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing HDL and how to bring about an increase in HDL and hopefully reduce cardiovascular risk in our patients. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.